0: i mean you know i don't have any kids so i have way more disposable income so you know that's why i'm cleaning lady i'm just saying you're a crazy cat lady and i'm like forever paying a cleaning lady type thing anyway that's our lives welcome to the base i'm Fred curtis the guy with the cleaning lady um i do everything fancy
1: he's fancy
0: well you know i like i like spurring stimulating the economy you know that's that's what matters in these troubling times and so uh Anyway, I can give back to the people. You know, that's that's it's what a, I'm going to do. You're
1: a humanitarian, a philanthropist. I got gotcha. you. All right. There it
0: is. See, you know, that's that's what I'm. Fred Curtis, humanitarian, philanthropist. You know. We
1: finally found your title.
0: That's that Great is what we're going with here on Hi. out. <laughs> uh Beck and Nyberg, immigration attorney, political strategist, crazy cat lady. Apparently, shoveler of ice is shoveler a word that's a word right shoveler
1: makes sense i mean yeah
0: Yeah, Doctor Shoes put the whole career on faking up words anyway so you know shoveler is a word even if it isn't here we go
1: hi
0: becca hi
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah depending on where you are in the country apparently you have a varying degree of ice on the ground in the DMV area. It's about two inches of ice right now. So we've spent a a good period of time scraping scraping it off our driveway. You can hear the neighbors still working on it.
0: That's right.
1: So yeah, but definitely luckier in this area to have uh, infrastructure and governments used to dealing with these sorts of emergencies. Um, unlike our, our neighbors down South in Texas,
0: Good old Texas, Texas forever. You know, here's the thing about Texas. Well, first of all, for you kids out there, the instrument I was just doing was vanilla ice, 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 baby. It's a remake of under pressure, which way back. I mean, that's even before my time. I just like old music anyway, Google it. Um, you'll like it. You might like it. Uh, so today, besides being a philanthropist and crazy cat ladies, we're talking about Texas, and um, just the tragedy that we are seeing down there, the implications that may or may not have on our politics, infrastructure, so on and so forth. And we're going to dive in a little bit into this conversation around student debt loan forgiveness, which, or student loan debt forgiveness, whatever the term is, um, forgiving student debt, how about that, which sparking a lot of conversation, and I'm finding it very interesting to see the uh, wide range of opinions on this topic, which honestly, I think almost more than anything encapsulates where we are in America as a society. So we'll get into that. And then I've come equipped with a a look ahead to the weekend, what I'm doing this weekend. Maybe Becca has, maybe she hasn't. Last week you talked about looking out the window. so, or something. I, you didn't actually talk well about look out the window. Don't, don't, don't believe me there. Um, but, you know, we want some yeah, I believe you. It
1: would be like looking out the window because it's cold and I ain't going out in
0: that. <laughs> oh, um, this should be a fun show. So, Texas. Good old Texas. Texas forever. Um, seeing a, well, it was once called once in a lifetime sort of cold weather event. Although the number of once in a lifetime weather events that have happened in the last decade, you know, kind of concerning. Um, maybe they're not once in a lifetime anymore. Totally different conversation. You know, it's almost as if the climate is changing. Um, Wait, but, I think there's a term for that. It's on the tip of my tongue. Hmm. You know, but it's fine. Uh, most, there's like half the country who doesn't believe in it. It's cool, whatever. Um, you know. How can you be all, global
1: warming if they have ice in Texas? That's not warm.
0: You sound like a certain guy that used to be in the White House and is now banned from the internet. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're I mean,
1: but I mean we're, we're laughing about this but it, it really is serious down in Texas um, yes. people yes. are literally dying um, the property damage the people who are huddled together trying to just make it through and stay warm is it's staggering the news um, and that is certainly not any sort of a laughable manner um, and not a laughable matter when we come to the individuals involved um, and, and in looking at the incredible mismanagement of, of what has gone on down there, the the electrical infrastructure, the electrical grid, the way that um, the politicians have been responding to the crisis by, what, what was the mayor of one small town said, figure oh, out I'm a way to get to electricity? I, yeah. Um, the lack of humanity, I mean, I think it so it's a great experiment to have states because they can put things into place that we then can decide, you know, does this work? You know, one great example was affordable health care. You know, that was a Massachusetts-based model. You know, Massachusetts did it first, we were able to move it out. So now we have this, this new experiment down in Texas. Um, I don't think that anybody will be taking the Texas model and expanding it out or arguing to expand it out to the rest of the country. Um, but, you know, it goes back to our overall theme too. You know, Texas is a very red state and these are Republican policies that are being put into, you know, this experimentation chamber. Um, but. My question comes back to, does it matter? Is this actually gonna change the way people vote or are they just gonna vote for a different Republican because it's a Republican on other things, but we'll fix this mess.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the more concerning things. And yeah, I mean, obviously I hope people know we weren't making making light of anything going on down there. Actually, you know, obviously, I think everyone knows someone who lives in Texas and knows, has someone close to them who lives in Texas and spent like two hours yesterday trying to help someone get a ride. To a shelter uh, in Austin. So, yeah, um, you know, definitely con- concerning on a variety of levels. You can't forget that um, the junior senator from Texas thought it was good to uh, go on a trip to Cancun, uh, a pre planned vacation, um, while millions of residents in his state um, were freezing and without power, and some were freezing to death. Did you see? Hmm? That
1: there were some tweets that came out today that said that it wasn't pre planned. School got closed, his daughters begged him to go, so they decided to take a family trip while schools were closed for the week.
0: Yeah, I believe that, yeah.
1: Um, and so he said, well, you know, blame my kids basically, but, you know, of course I'm I'm in contact with everybody, I'm coming back. Um, you know, so he, I think he's only going to be in Cancun about 36 hours before he turns around.
0: You know. Uh,
1: but the people who are calling for his resignation are not Republicans. You
0: know, if they want us to keep believing that there's this esteemed body in America called the US Senate. They're really trying to hold on to their integrity and in the historical just sort of nature and importance of, of the body. There are 100 of them. Two of them from a state where people are literally freezing to death. You should have the most basic wherewithal regardless of your ideology to tell your kids, even if you believe this story, which is which is bullshit, to tell your kids, you know what? There are folks in the state freezing. Your dad is one out of 100 of the so-called most envious and exclusive club in America. I can't get on a plane to 80 degree weather right now. Is that too much to ask?
1: Yeah, so I'll go back and forth on this, right? I mean, we live in a time where you can do anything via Zoom, via phone calls, via, you know, whatever else it is. You know, it's not like he's literally on the ground patching the electrical grid with his two hands, you know, that he needs to be there. Um, So in some respects, you know, it's, it's about optics. But on the other hand, what kind of privilege are you demonstrating to be able to do that? Oh my gosh, schools are closed. Let's hop on a plane to Cancun. I mean, I, I'm pretty well off and I don't have the funds to do that. I don't have the ability to just take off like that or, you know, to call the police to escort me because that was the other report that's coming out was not only did he leave, but he had, you know, the, the local police make sure that he could get through security and, you know, make it to the airport and, you know, provide him with the, the security that he needed to be able to get on this flight. So he diverted resources away from the people who are literally, you know, on the ground doing the work um so that's i mean that's an incredible privilege and it's you know it does definitely signal that he's out of touch with the people that he represents with you know people in different um economic circumstances he said you know well we lost power too yeah and you hopped on a plane like that's not available to most people but you know is it also you know kind of just an optics thing does it really actually matter you know if he's sitting in his hotel room in Cancun not able to enjoy anything because he's sitting there talking to staff, talking to officials, trying to work things out. I mean, does it matter that he's there and not in, I think he's from Houston? Does it matter?
0: I would say yeah. I mean, you know, I think like we, we, I think the the natural thing is to say, well, what is a, what is a federal official, a federal official in a legislative body going to do to help fix things on the ground during a natural disaster. And I would argue a lot. (laughs) I mean, from the, the optics are awful, obviously, you know, you claim you're a man of the people and, you know, you love Texans and all this other stuff. You should just be smart enough to know you shouldn't go to paradise during a natural disaster. Even if you're going to sit in your hotel resort room for 15 hours a day and be on zoom calls, which you know, we should not give Ted Cruz the benefit of the doubt in believing that he would have done that anyway. Um, but it, this is one of the times, I mean, look, I've, I forgot who made this quote. I'll, I'll have to try and go fish it. But, oh, God, 60s or 70s, Nelson Nelson Rockefeller, actually. Um, Republicans were trying to get him to run for Senate instead of uh, governor or president in mid to uh, late 60s. I think it was the early 60s, 1960s, um, as a matter of fact. Uh, when Nixon ended up getting the nomination. His response was, all they do is talk there. Now, they talk a lot in the Senate, but they also have a lot of ability to divert resources, right? Ted Cruz can call any organization in the state of Texas, right? If I own a business, if I've got resources to to be able to to help other people, even with my ideology, if, if, if a U.S. senator calls me, I'm going to answer the phone. And so I think there's an element there of like, even if you feel like there's something you can't do, which you can't, but even if you feel like there are things you can't do directly, you can be working with your staff. You can be working with officials. You can be working with folks who you have ties to because they fund your campaigns um, to, to say, hey, call in a few favors. You're, you're, the US, you're a U.S. Senator. People owe but you think favors. You have to
1: make that call from Houston. Why can't he make it from Cancun?
0: Because he's not going to make the call from Cancun.
1: Well, if he's not going to make it from Cancun, who says he's going to make it from Houston?
0: It doesn't matter. You don't leave.
1: (laughs) Is is this a captain going down with the ship analogy here?
0: No, it's not going down with the ship because I'm sure he still had power. Like I'm sure he had a vice generator.
1: I mean, he, he said he lost power and they lost water.
0: You know, even if he did, you're, you're, you're the United States Senator from Texas. You're the junior Senator from Texas. You need to be in your district in your state trying to help residents. And there are ways to help them. And if you can't think at the top of your head, how do I help the people of my state? You get your staffers on the phone, you get on the phone with other senators, so on and so forth. Like you try to figure out ways in which you can help the people within your state, like get the help that they need. But you've got folks literally freezing to death, like outside. Like aside from the governor, the next two people I'm thinking about are Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, to be totally honest. And those are just the type of things that come with that level of visibility. Like if you want to be an elected official but don't want the scrutiny and you don't want to have to care about optics and you don't want to have to stay on the ground and help people through tough times and ask for disaster or whatever, be a state senator or a state representative. You can't be governor or a US senator and think that you can just do what you want to do and float around and not worry about optics. It just doesn't work like that, regardless of whether or not you want to pretend that it does or shouldn't at you. I'm about that, um So there's the optics standpoint, but then there's the like, you really get to see what people care about and what they value. And it's clearly not your constituents because even if you were going to Cancun to work and you were going to sit up in your resort all day and your wife and kids were going to be out by the pool sipping, you know, virgin pina coladas or whatever. Um, if you really care, if your heart is really for your constituents, you're going to automatically think about what are they going to think when they find out I'm in Mexico? Because it's not 1960. You can't do that and nobody find out. I hope he wasn't that illogical. I hope he didn't think he was gonna go down here no one was gonna recognize him and see, especially when you wore the same mask on the airplane that you wore at the inauguration. Like he cannot be that obtuse. If he is, that's a different conversation. Um, And this kind of leads into the overall question is, we talked about this last week. I, I, I continue to get more and more discouraged by our politics, more and more pessimistic about the future. Because this is less along ideological lines and more along the lines of clearly there's a guy from one of the largest states in the unions who is a U.S. senator who is this owned out and this unconcerned about his constituents. And that's the kind of thing you don't restore back into your politics overnight.
1: Well, and that, I mean, that leads into my other question is, you know we keep talking about what is enough for people to stop voting you know republicans which you know regardless of your political persuasion you cannot say as somebody who is a lower income person that the republican party helps you the republican party is not a party of lower income people it is a party of pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make something of yourself and we're not going to help you to do it so you know, it's, it's a party of aspiration. You know, poor people vote for them because that's who they wanna be like, not because right. they're actually getting any assistance. So where is that tipping point where the people who aren't actually getting anybody to, you know, to stop voting for them? Or is it that they just stop voting for this particular Republican, but they're gonna vote for somebody else? Like, does he lose in the primary, but, re- but Republicans still hold the state of Texas?
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the mayor of Colorado, Colorado City, Texas. I'm going to read his full post here because I think this encapsulates where the Republican Party is, where our politics are, and why we've got so far to go. And I'm an old guy now; I can't read off a computer without glasses. So uh, hopefully, you all just listen to this <clears throat> quote. No one owes you or your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during trying times like this. Sink or swim, it's your choice. The city and county along with power providers or any other service owes you nothing. I'm sick and tired of people looking for a damn handout. If you don't have electricity, you step up and come up with the game plan to keep your family warm and safe. If you have no water, you deal without and think outside the box to survive and supply water to your family. If you are sitting at home in the cold because you have no power, and are sitting there waiting for someone to come rescue you because you're lazy is a direct result of your raising. Only the strong and the weak will perish. Only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Folks, God has given us the tools to support ourselves in times like this. This is sadly a product of socialist government where they feed people to believe that the few work and others will become dependent for handouts. Am I sorry that you have been dealing with that electricity and water? Yes. But I'll be damned if I'm going to provide for anyone that is capable of doing it themselves. We have lost sight of those in need and those that take advantage of the system and mesh them into one group. Bottom line, quit crying and looking for a handout. Get off your ass and take care of your own family. Um, <laughs> you know, we, that, that statement, that post needs to needs to be canonized because... It is the epitome, it is a perfect encapsulation of where Republican politics is, but also I think like where the social conscience of most Americans is in terms of empathy, in terms of uh, individualism and collectivism and so on and so forth. And it is said that that is probably the best summation of our politics that probably one or two paragraphs can explain
1: but I mean, that's the thing is, so he, he resigned, you know, which I don't know. I mean, do you want a void of leadership during a crisis? I'm not sure that's better, but my question stands if he hadn't resigned, would he still been elected?
0: Yeah. You
1: know, is this town going to elect another Republican mayor because they vote Republican? They just aren't going to vote for this guy. You know, at what point do the, does the electorate say, it's not just this guy, Hmm. it is the party. This is what the party stands for. This is what the party does. This isn't a, you know, this is not the bad apple in the bunch. This is the bunch. Mm -hmm. So where is that? Where is that line?
0: I don't know if you've seen it yet. I don't know. Actually, I do know what it'll take to get it. And I, I actually you know, wrote something about this previously. Um, America is a place of homicidal individualism and in that people legitimately would rather die than make sacrifices, be inconvenienced, and have empathy for other people. And you can look no further than all the folks who will just refuse to wear a mask uh, over the past year or so because it impedes on their quote-unquote personal freedom. And somehow over a century, we have developed this, this feeling, this sociological mindset of what I want to do in the name of freedom is more important than protecting or preserving my neighbor, the person next to me or in front of me, so on and so forth. We see that with our COVID problems. We see that within the realm of you know gun safety reform. Uh, we see that within the realm of health care, right? There are people who do not have health care who could greatly benefit from universal health care, who don't want it because they believe it's socialist medicine and that the blacks and the Jews and the, and the Mexicans are going to be able to have healthcare. And therefore we shouldn't have that, even though I don't have healthcare now and I could use it. That is, that is where our politics, where our discourse is. And, you know, w- what I always found, and this is why I never entertained the Obama Trump conversations um, over the four years or whatever when the New York times and whoever else just really wanted to have all these conversations about, you know, Oh, Obama Trump voters, what happened? It's like, Americans lack empathy. And it's why it's like, you know, Obama Trump voters, they decided to give, they were in such financial peril on, at, on uh, from the financial crisis that, you know, it was after two or three decades of jobs going overseas, you know, the jobs that their parents, you know, used to talk about the factories and so on and so forth and the good benefits and all this other stuff had gone overseas or disappeared. And everybody just kept telling them they were going to come back. And maybe they had a little bit of reprieve in the 90s and early 2000s with the onset of, you know, the internet and so on and so forth. But by that time, the financial crisis basically, said, you know, what? we are in such down spirits. Our outlook is just so bad. Let's give the black guy a try. And then nothing changed. And so they just went back to who they were. Voting for Obama didn't make them less racist. It's just they decided to give them a try because they had finally had a prolonged taste of what other working class, you know, racially ethnically diverse folks disproportionately experience in this country, and so based off that, based off being able to empathize with folks who had been suffering from, you know, thirty years of trickle down economics and pushing from, um, you know, pushing power from labor to capital, they thought, all right, let's give the black guy a try, and then they reverted back to the old guy four year, eight years later, uh, and so I think to summarize this political realignments and huge just you know policy changes those only come from huge crises or a collection of crises and 10 years ago i wouldn't have said this i like to think maybe we're inching closer to new political alignments to where we're going to push more power back to the labor class rather from capital if i had to put money on it which i'm not it's not a betting game so please don't take this as anything insensitive but i think I I used to think there would be another financial crisis that would push that, or people would just wise up and see that, yeah, maybe it does make sense for everybody to have healthcare, so on and so forth. Now, more than ever, I'm kind of convinced climate change is going to bring this about because it's the great equalizer. It doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter what your education is, it doesn't matter what your family history is, right? When 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 you're freezing debt, when you're freezing and you don't have power. Or when the, coast, when the coast is rising or when tornadoes strike through areas where tornadoes haven't hit in 50 years or where wildfires are running ablaze out of control. Like climate is one of the few things none of us can control.
1: Yeah, but you've got Chris Christie sitting on the closed beach in New Jersey. Was that five years ago? Something like that. Didn't change anything. Well, it's so not if- going
0: to be able for one person to change it.
1: Right. But so you've got Chris Christie sitting on a beach, you've got Ted Cruz in Cancun. Um, Somebody else was, somebody else did something similar where they just were like, I'm out, you know, or I'm going to take advantage or whatever it is. I mean, that doesn't seem to be anything new. You know, you had, you know, Katrina with no federal resources coming down to the state, no, you know, communication systems, you know, everything. I mean, it's just, We've had a, a number of different weather-related or climate change-related um, incidents, and nothing seems to change with that either. I mean, if, you're, if you've are if you got the means and your beach house is sinking into the ocean, will you sell it to support some poor sucker and you go build a lake house?
0: Yeah, so I think I, I wouldn't count Katrina. Katrina, New Orleans is one of the, if not the, blackest city in America when that happened, and we all know race played a factor in the federal government's you know, inept and woeful response to that. Um, I don't think it's along the lines of individuals, right? If you're wealthy, you're always going to be able to revert resources. And that's why climate change has always been an issue of social and economic change as well, because rich people think they're going to be protected regardless of what happens with the climate. But there are people in the woodlands, Texas right now, and, you know, Odessa and Midland and all these other places, places where they have middle to upper middle income, you know, salaries who don't have power. We've been without power and water for you know going on days right now. And what what climate change is gonna do is it's not gonna, you know, when we talk about systemic political social change, you know, people who make fifty, sixty thousand dollars are on one end, people who make four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year on the other end, it's the folks from about eighty to two fifty who really drive what happens in this country. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. Because whenever that group of people feels like things are sinking or they're concerned or they're being on economic collapse, that's when things change. And that group of folks are well off. They're okay. They're comfortable. But they don't have the money to escape when a bad storm happens or, you know, when, when, their, uh, when their power goes out for an extended period of time. And those are also the folks, overwhelmingly, who tend to be on the more moderate side of the Republican Party. And so... That is what I'm saying when you think about climate change being the great equalizer. It's that those folks on the fringe who aren't on the bottom rung of the socioeconomic ladder, but they're nowhere near being able to escape to New Zealand when the climate apocalypse happens. Those are the folks who have to decide and recognize, okay, these are are troubling times. The climate is indeed changing. What are we going to do? What do we want our politics to be? How do we want to change our discourse and our policy to ensure that we have a world we can live in and we have a world that our kids can live in. And this is another reason why we, you know, I don't know, I don't wanna be ageist, but you you look at Joe Biden, you look at Nancy Pelosi, you look at Mitch McConnell and all these other folks, the climate catastrophe is just getting started. And they'll say it, I've heard some of them say it, not those three in general, but some of our older lawmakers, they know they're not gonna be here much longer to have to deal with it. The challenge is, Getting more folks in their 30s and 40s into government, into policy making decisions, because they recognize, you know, I'll put it this way and I'll, you know, sort of close the loop on my argument. 15 or 20 years ago, it was a matter of, oh, what kind of world are my children or my grandchildren going to live in? Now, it's got to be a matter of what kind of world am I going to live in? Not when I get to retirement age, but when I'm an empty nester. Like that. That's the kind of conversation we got, you know, kids in college, what kind of world am I going to live in? You know, when I want to buy a house and settle down and and start a family. Right. I mean, I say this all the time and it's kind of an issue. I used to live in New Orleans. I absolutely love New Orleans. I would, I would settle down there and live out the rest of my days there. The sole reason why I'm not moving back to New Orleans and buying a house is because I'm not sure it's gonna exist 25 years from now because it's below sea level. And I'm not sure I wanna invest $400,000 in a place that I don't even believe is gonna be above sea level or existing in 20 or 25 years. That is something folks never had to consider 30, 40, 50 years ago. And that's, I think the most troubling aspect is, like you said, there are probably people in that middle ground, that moderate Republican range who suck it up and vote for Ted Cruz and you know voted for Trump or whatever in Colorado city who voted for that mayor and he's resigned and they'll probably just vote for another guy like him. And that leaves me pessimistic about the future of America.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, you can look at an apples to apples comparison because you've got Beto O'Rourke who is organized a phone bank to call seniors in Texas to make sure they were doing okay. See what they needed, you know, basically check in, you know, boots on the ground, hand, you know, getting the hands dirty kind of work, as opposed to, you know, fine, Ted Cruz goes off to Mexico, even if he hadn't, you think he's doing something like that? But he's no. not, yeah, like he's not, you know, he's not supporting, he's not supporting people like that, right? Like he's he's making his calls, right? Which find important, get the resources, you know, raise awareness, um, you know everything like that, but it, it's a different level, and it's not like this is new. It's not like you know Ted Cruz used to be—I don't know—in the soup kitchens ladling soup out every weekend, and this is now you know changed. You know he's now changed, or this was an anomaly. This is who he is,
0: and we've known it.
1: Right, this is who he has been. You know he he comes back you know, saying, oh, you know, I was only, you know, I was only going to go for one night and,
0: Shit, you know.
1: You know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And it frankly doesn't follow through his past actions anyway. You know, I mean, outside of, I'm assuming he, he's put pork into um, different bills because, you know, that's what politicians do. And he's, he's brought back the money to his state for whatever the projects are. Um, Maybe it was even to privatize the system. Who knows? Um, sure it was. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But this is not, again, this is not one bad apple in the bunch. This is the party. This is the bunch. Mm-hmm. So when does it become less about the individual and more about, we need to change the party? You know, and it's either the voter saying, we need to change the party as in, we need to vote for a different party, or moderates within the party saying, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the party I believe in. Let's reform from the inside. I mean, what what does it take?
0: That is the billion dollar question at this point. Um, if you're curious for the listeners, why Texas is on its own electrical grid, or at least most of Texas, that's on its electrical grid. Uh, we'll link some documents in both the show notes and on the website, but the overall reason is like most things in America, race, slavery, secessionists, they, they decided to build their own power grid um, in the early 1900s uh, because they didn't want any Yankees telling them what to do. They wanted to enjoy, uh, enjoy, avoid federal regulation because they still wanted to be their own country and have a sting of the Civil War still left over, which... You know, one movie actually I recently watched, News of the World, it doesn't necessarily focus on this, but does have a little bit of a, you know, home to it. You know, it takes place in Texas, starts out in Wichita Falls, Texas in 1980, 1970, 1870. Um, and it helps sort of um, put a modern day note or pen, for lack of a better term, on just how much the discourse in our current politics has existed for centuries. Um, and I think that's something we sometimes, sometimes forget. Um, anyway, if you want to find out more about that, you can. There's also a really good podcast, and we'll link this as well. It's called Boomtown, which explores, um, you know, the oil and, and energy, uh, you know, industry uh, in Texas, particularly over the last decade or so. But there's a really good episode in there that goes extensively into its history. I would highly recommend that. So, um, Texas forever. God save Texas. There's a good book with by that title too, God Save Texas by Lawrence Wright dives into some of these things ideology political wise so on and so forth anyway we're always here to help uh, teach and serve the people so uh if you don't know a lot and you want to know more good resources on the Joe Biden student loan debt forgiveness so the president is facing backlash he rejected a proposal to cancel $50,000 in student loan debt where he flat out said in a town hall earlier this week quote I will not make that happen (laughs) um said, so quote, depends on whether or not you go to a public university or a private university. Now, Elizabeth Warren uh, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer put together a proposal to cancel up to $50,000 in federal student debt per uh, borrower. Now, we're not going to get into the specifics of the legality around things in the Constitution, so on and so forth. Biden argues he can't cancel $50,000 via executive order for constitutional reasons. Um, some people uh, obviously disagree with him. Uh, most notably Senator Warren. He says, I'm prepared to write off $10,000, but not 50. He's saying he doesn't have the authority to do that via executive order. And the word is concern is that if he does do that, then hey, we've got a 63 conservative Supreme Court, which sadly, I think we're about to be reminded of that heavily over the next 12 to 18 months, but different conversation. Um, and there's been a lot of discourse around this about you know people who don't think folks should get that much through loan debt forgiveness. What about the folks who already paid it off? What about people who don't have student debt? What about credit card debt? What about auto loan debt? Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. What about, what about, what about? Um, What have you heard in your discourse and do you think Joe Biden's right on this?
1: I am generally not a fan of legislating by executive order. Um, And this I think very clearly falls into that category. This isn't a, let me clear up a, you know, a regulation. This isn't let me, you know, you know, help out a little bit here for something that's already in place. This is completely out on its own from what I can, from what I can tell. And, you know, I said this in past administrations, um, you know, when Obama did DACA or DAPA by executive order, something that I wholeheartedly, 150% support, it's not appropriate for an executive action. Legislation is appropriate for Congress. And I get it. You know, it's a very tough Congress. It's very tough to get anything through. You know, it was tough for Obama when, you know, it was a culture of no, we don't care what, you know, you you could put, you know, a bowl full of, oatmeal for starving children and we would veto it. Because, no
0: problem.
1: Right. Because that's what, you know, we're just going to say no to this president for whatever he says. I, I understand that, but I also, you know, that's literally our checks and balances system and, you know, holding those politicians accountable who are the ones doing the, you know, I don't care what you say. I'm going to say, no, it's up to us, the people, it's not up to an executive executive, to issue an order and that sets a really bad precedent. You know, had Obama not done the executive orders that you know were really splashy, I mean, it's not even about numbers. It's like, it's just because they were so splashy about it. Um, they were such great policies, you know, that got a lot of news. I don't think we would have seen as many executive orders under Trump. You know, he wouldn't have been emboldened to do it But, you know, with the left being, you know, moral and saying, well, we can't really complain now because we didn't complain before, which I think is completely legitimate, he was able to do a lot of this. So, you know, those senators who would like to cancel student loan debt, wonderful, bring your bill, pass it through, let him sign it. We can't, we don't have kings. We don't legislate through executive orders. You know, no matter how great the idea, no matter how wonderful it is, that's not the way we do it as a country. And I think it's really important to remember. And when we stop, when we start making these exceptions, we make a loophole that the other side drives a truck through. So the only thing it does is come back to bite us. So, you know, regardless of whether I think it's a good idea or not, I don't think executive orders like this one are appropriate.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as uh, committed to the inappropriateness of the executive orders. I totally do see um, the concern, and I think that's legitimate. People who voice that. Um, I think my my counter concern. It's not even a counter argument. Is like, I'm not sure we've had a functioning legislative body in this country for about 13 years. Um, and someone who follows politics as closely as you, you, you know, I'm not exaggerating. Um, and so, at some point, there are catastrophic consequences to that. And I don't like the imperialist president. I think that office has just become more and more, um, you know, encroaching on unnecessary powers over the last 40 and 50 years. I think it has expedited tremendously over the last 20 years, the 9-11 era took it to another level. um, And now it's just getting out of of absolute control. I think bringing it back full circle, the issue that I have is, you know what? We gave you all the majority. It's a very small majority, but we gave it to you. And so we're going to introduce pork back into legislation, which I think is a great thing, because now you actually have the ability for people who may not agree with something wholeheartedly ideologically to bring something back for their district and therefore find a way to support it. And so if 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 your biggest opponents to passing something or biggest obstacles rather than passing something are going to be Joe Manson, Kristen Cinema, and John Tester, we'll bring those three in a room and figure out what we can put into each bill to get them to vote for it. Because even if things are from a national perspective unpopular, There is something Joe Manchin can bring back to Morgantown or Charleston or Huntington or wherever that people will appreciate him for. And they will not remember by the time he's back on the ballot because he fixed this water plant or got this park or got this income tax, whatever it might be, right? Whatever you put into port, got this recreation center. Same thing with Christian Cinema in Arizona. Same thing with John Tester in Montana. There are plenty of infrastructure projects in every single state because our infrastructure is so out of date. Right. Even if you just want to put infrastructure pork into bills, <laughs> like there is enough money and enough projects to where, all right, Kristen, you don't want to forget fifty thousand dollars. If you sign up and you vote for forty thousand, here's two and a half million dollars for this project in Maricopa County. You know, it, it. We we've just we've lost sight and lost the ability to think cleverly about our politics, and to figure out ways to negotiate it. Because you don't even need to bring any Republicans into a room right now. You just need to figure out how to get the three democrats who you know want to be pretend republicans sometimes to figure out how to support something because at first you gave us you gave us this whole spiel we need to win these two seats in georgia we got to do this well we gave you the two seats so damn it figure out how to get something done like i don't care i don't care about excuses i don't care about any of this right people don't want to cinema doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster you know, Manson doesn't want to get rid of, rid of the filibuster. Okay, cool. Sit them down in a room. Joe Biden, the president of the United States. Sit them down in a room. What can I give? What can we give you in this bill to get rid of the filibuster? You want $15 million for this project? Here you go.
1: Well, I mean, and that's, that's <laughs> on a, I would say, a broader sense. What it is, is we don't compromise. We don't have those conversations.
0: Not even within a party either.
1: Right. It's, it's my way or the highway. I mean, this is like the epitome, the epitome of Trumpism, right? It's my way or the highway. We're not, we're not negotiating. Negotiating negotiations for the weak. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know whatever, you know, cliches they throw out about that. But I mean, that's, that's literally the way that our government was based. You know, the whole reason that we have the three branches of government is that, so no one person runs amok. We have these checks and balances so that there are conversations, um, there are, you know, negotiations that go on, you know, all of those sorts of things, because you need that to happen to find, you know, the best way forward. You know, I'm not going to have, you know, the best idea about everything all the time. It's just not going to happen. I don't have, you know, everything is my absolute specialty. So you can't expect me to be able to do that which is why it's good that we have people with multiple specialties. We have people from different areas of the country, you know, what works in Florida isn't going to work in North Dakota, you know, all of these things, but we have to also be willing to listen and willing to, you know, have those conversations. And that is absolutely something that has been missing for the last at least 13 years, you know, and I don't, you know, and yeah, part of it is pork and, that gets a that gets a bad rap um
0: i love you know, pork. just for... get me out the court
1: <laughs> but it you know but it gets a bad rap you know oh it's the you know this is only going to benefit you know this one town in kansas you know why do i care as a maryland resident about this one town in kansas but that's how you get things done because now the one town in kansas is going to support my little you know let's say relief really efforts in ellicott city you know, where we had our you know once in a lifetime um you know flooding event twice in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um going back to you know what you were saying earlier about these aren't once in a lifetime anymore. That's why.
0: You know, they get a new water treatment plant in Wichita, Kansas, and that allows, you know, m- Hundreds of thousands of residents in Maryland have $35,000 in student loan debt forgiven. And so therefore they go out and stimulate the economy, buy another house, buy a car, remodel their home, kitchen, whatever. Like all these things can be interconnected if we've all got a commitment to interconnectivity on a positive level that brings the country forward. And that's why I love pork. I can't stand that Other people don't like pork. I'm excited that pork's going to be back into, you know, Congress this this time around. What I what I really want to see, and I think this goes to the heart of, and there are a lot of issues with our politics, but that's the biggest one. Is that we have not had a functioning legislative body. And to be totally honest with you, like, you know, I love the squad. I love AOC and Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Corey Bush, and I think they've added another person. Um, but it things cannot be one way or the highway. And I think it matters that their discourse is finally coming into the mainstream more. Because that is how you move politics forward as well, right? Continuously having these conversations like the Reagan revolution happened 20 years after Barry Goldwater was drafted to be president, right? These things take time. So, but I think in the interim, it can't be, we want all or nothing. So if you can't do $50,000 and you only want to do $10,000, okay, well, how do we get to the point to where we'll just forgive $35,000 for everyone? And it's almost like, No one wants to try and figure out how we get to that 35 for everyone. Everyone is stuck on the 10 or the 50. And as long as we're there, we have no hope. And I think this issue uh, encapsulates everything, encapsulates our politics, right? I just said this about the the climate change. It
1: goes back to what you say about (laughs) empathy, right? Just because I don't have student debt doesn't mean I don't think my neighbor shouldn't have it either. You know, Thanks. just because I, I I worked to pay mine off, you know, I struggled. Why would I want somebody else to go through that same struggle? If I have the opportunity to help them, why wouldn't I want to help them? I mean, going back to the pork thing as well, you know, your, your water treatment plant in Wichita, Kansas. How about lead treatment for Flint, Michigan? Oh. I mean, oh. I, that doesn't benefit me directly, but I'm all for it. You know, why can't we help out individual people um, in other districts, and the only caveat I would say to the pork thing is, you know, if you're talking about a water treatment plant, and you're talking about something that benefits populace. Sure, cool, no problem. But there's been some pretty egregious misuse of pork in there. Yes, yes facts. Bridges to nowhere. <laughs> um,
0: oh, don't get started on that.
1: <laughs> you know, things like that. So, I mean, I think there should be some sort of oversight to these individual projects, but I also don't think infrastructure improvements in a particularly a particular locale, no matter how local or state-based it is, should be really lumped into the negative connotation of a pork spending.
0: encapsulates the argument wonderfully. Um, a little lightheartedness to close out. Weekend wonder. I hope you have a weekend week wonder thing this week. I've got one. Um, I'm going to give you some time to think about it. Maybe I mean, do... I have
1: some, I have what I'm working on, but it's just not lighthearted.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to go first to do lightheartedness, and then you can close us out with the realities of the world. Um, so I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. Spent a lot of time watching and writing about them. Uh, and this weekend, the one that is releasing that I am most looking forward to is Nomadland. Uh, it is a film starring Frances McDormand. She also produced it. I'm really excited about it. Um, woman who leaves her small town to travel around the American West in the midst of the Great uh, Recession uh, in uh, 2007, 2008. And I think one of the things I'm most excited about, obviously this weekend, but in general, as far as particularly in art, film, TV, so on and so forth, is that it seems like the last decade, the previous decade was a huge expiration in the 80s. I don't know if it takes folks like, you know, 20 years to really start putting a lot of these things into film and books and so on and so forth, because you really get a chance to look back at it without prisoner of the moment and really, you know, you see how things age. Um, and it looks like, hopefully, this coming decade is gonna be an exploration in uh, the 90s and the aughts, 2000s, whatever you call it. Um, that I think is gonna start providing some introspection and allow us to truly put solid uh, historical uh, viewpoints on things from the 90s and the 2000s. You mentioned earlier how, and this thing drives me crazy, how people are starting to forget just how detrimental the second Bush administration was. Uh, and I, my, my hope is that in this decade, we start to explore and revisit and really understand the lasting negative impacts of that administration and of the 9-11 era in general. Um, and I think, you know, I, I this seems to be a good, you know, Film, it's getting all the reviews. It's nominated for Golden Globe Best Picture. I'm certainly almost certain going to be a nomination for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Um, so not so much the film. I'm looking forward to it. But the exploration in art and you know TV film that I really think is going to start happening around the 90s and the 2000s over the next 10 years, I'm excited about because my my, my hope there is that leads us to have more shared values, experiences, and understanding, more empathy that therefore then bleeds itself into our politics. I think film is, is an incredible purveyor and defender of democracy. I think film can be uh, you know, a, a part of advancing social change and progressivism and so on and so forth. It has historically. Um, you know, I wrote about this: www.relentless.love. Uh, and so that is what i'm looking forward to it's almost like a kickoff to what i hope is a decade of wonderful film and television that revisits you know the 90s and 2000s in its true form not you know George W Bush passing Michelle Obama candy
1: so i have a working weekend coming up <laughs> so, womp, that's womp. Womp, womp, womp. so that's why there's no there's well i won't say there's no lightheartedness but that's what immediately comes to mind um you know, we're waiting for some good immigration change. We're waiting for some overall po- good policy change. It hasn't happened yet. So until then, we'll be working on some immigration appeals and uh, have a domestic violence hearing. Yeah. Um, coming <laughs> <What a jump. laughs> coming up as well. I was trying to block her and it's just, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, fighting fightin the fight. Um, but I will say I, I did remember we have a... Um, my mom's side of the family, we're all getting together via zoom to wish my great aunt a happy 90th birthday. Um, you know, so she's up, she's up in Wisconsin. I'm sure just laughing at the rest of us, you know, complaining about shoveling. There are two inches of ice on our driveway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she's, uh, she'll get the entire family together, um, in, oh my gosh, how many different States are we? Six different States. I think. Yeah um Across three different time zones, four different time zones. So, uh yeah, it's a good, it's a happy little, happy little family time.
0: Yeah, that's lighthearted. What do you mean anything lighthearted?
1: It, it took me a minute to think about that. That's Sunday afternoon. That's like way far away from my contemplation right now.
0: Oh my gosh, we're, it's Thursday evening when we're recording this. By the way. <laughs> um.
1: I had about 24 hours. I can I can remember what's happened in the last 24 hours and I can plan for the next 24 hours. Anything outside of that, you're asking a lot.
0: You know what? That's fair. That's fair. Life is one day at a time, right? You know what? I routinely forget there's a pandemic going on. Which is wild. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, not like it's outside of my mind, but at the end of my workday, I'll like sometimes I'm like, oh, I let's go to a bar. Or, you know, let's and it's like, no, Frederick there's there's still a deadly virus raging you are stuck at home um which is fine very grateful power heat lots of food in the fridge Uh, very 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 thankful but you know it would be nice to go out but soon 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 so um becca you're a national treasure we appreciate your contributions to society
1: means a lot from a philanthropist and a humanitarian like yourself
0: there you go i'm about to change all my profiles to that philanthropist humanitarian (laughs) <laughs> That's my, my man column. of the
1: world,
0: man of the renaissance, man, renaissance philanthropist, humanitarian man. I can't even say philanthropist. Anyway, y'all be great. This is the base. I'm gonna go look up philanthropist. <laughs> Enjoy your weekends, Stay your week, be warm.